Hello there, friends. I'm your host, Kendra Winchester, and this is Read Appalachia, a podcast celebrating Appalachian literature and writing. And this is episode 15, which is the fourth episode in our Poetry Corner series. Uh, Today, I'm talking with poet Denton Loving. Uh, Welcome. Welcome to the podcast. Thank you for having me. Well, I thought we could just start out by having you introduce yourself to folks so they can learn a little bit more about you. Okay, thanks. Um, My name is Denton Loving. I live in Speedwell, Tennessee. That's a really small, unincorporated area in Tennessee that's right on the border with uh, Virginia and Kentucky. A lot of people are more familiar with the Cumberland Gap area, which is, you know, historically famous because where Daniel Boone came through the mountains and, and led westward expansion. You know, it confuses people when they come to visit me because they can't figure out what state they're in at the moment. But um, but I, I actually do live in Tennessee. I do have a lot of strong connections to Kentucky and Virginia, though, especially because my dad was born and raised in Kentucky and I lived part of part of my life in Kentucky. And so my book of Bones Tamp, I think, has a lot of Kentucky connections because it's so much about my dad. My my dad um is also from Kentucky, but I grew up in Ohio. So I feel that dual citizen quality that you're mentioning. So your you say your poetry talks a lot about your relationship with your father. Um, is that really what started this collection of poems for you? You found you were going towards that topic? Yeah, I was um, writing poems about my dad during his long illness. He was not well for many years. And I think I was kind of telegraphing the grief of what it would be like knowing that I would eventually lose him. And then once he passed, I really dove in and used the poetry as a way to process what life was like after after that pivotal moment. So I realized at some point, I, I never thought, oh, I'm going to write a book about this. I was just writing poems. And then at some point I thought, well, I have a lot of these poems and I think maybe there are enough that they actually could be a book. The collection is separated into different sections. Are those sections based on like the groupings of similar ideas and how did you process the organization of the collection? For me, the there are two sections of the book. And for me, it was really a before and after a moment and not before and after his passing, but really before and after um, in terms of the first section is really when I was in the thick of my grief, when there were a lot of questions, when I really wasn't sure how to move forward a lot of, in a lot of those moments. And then when I got to a certain point where I could still very much sense the grief, but I could also see light and see future movement. So for me, that's, that's the way the poems are divided. And I don't know how evident that is to everyone else. I think a a poetry book always needs a little bit of breathing space, regardless of what the, the subject matter is. So sometimes you just need one or multiple places for the author to tell you, okay, you can pause here and think about what you've read and get ready to move to the next section. For me, that was how I divided it. Well, you are going to read some poems for us today, so I will let you just take it away. Okay. Thank you very much. Um, Immediately before 
just 10 minutes before you and I were scheduled to talk today, I got a call from an old coworker who wanted to tell me that her brother had passed away and that she was on her way uh, next week to go to a memorial service for him. And she told me she was going to read one of my poems at the memorial service. And so I want to read that now. This is called Another River of the Underworld. In my dreams, I walk the banks of an ancient, unnamed river surrounding the island of my dead. My heart is a boat with leaking ribs, beached on the river's far shore, long abandoned by the ferryman. I stand on the opposite side of the water and try to recall the four chambers of the ship in the distance. I can only name two, love and regret. So much else remains obscure, but this I know. Sleep is another kind of prayer. So um, in my first collection of poems, Crimes Against Birds, there are a lot of poems about cows because I grew up on a cattle farm. And so we, uh, my friends and I have sometimes joked that that collection should have been called Crimes Against Cows. There, there are a few cows that appear in my TAMP book as well. Uh, I... I wrote this next poem because I had seen a poem by Kevin Young called Cows Consider Oblivion, which is really a beautiful poem. But I, when I read it, I thought, I don't know if I, I don't know, maybe that's not exactly right. So I had to write with apologies to Kevin Young, Cows Don't Consider Oblivion. Cows Don't Consider Oblivion. They obey the farmer and his stences when they're forced and the dull hunger of their four stomachs. They lust only to pasture in lush fields and to drink from a cool creek. They see little beyond their meadow, longing for nothing more pleasing than what's on the other side of the fence. But they don't fear whether the world will continue without them. The future is a foreign notion. They don't graze with the purpose of making a lasting mark. They don't worry what will be written on their gravestones, that the only inscription for their lives will be written, a scattering of their bones. So we're coming into the fall season, and one of the poems that is included in this book is called Blue November, and it uh, uses a lot of fall-like imagery, which of course is often great imagery to associate with grief and death. So this is blue November. There is no blue like the sky in the 11th month. The woods know this. Bare arms of beach, sycamore lifted, the blue vault reaching for help from heaven. The wrens know this as they hop, skitter across lawns under boxwood and juniper anchoring flower beds in and out of barn eaves. The fox squirrel knows he gathers acorns, walnuts, the last hickories, surveys his kingdom from throne of oak fence post, weathered over decades, smooth now as fossil memory, almost Thanksgiving. A single bird's foot violet blossoms in the pasture, hidden in weeds, born out of season, waiting for the killing frost. Night comes. The moon is low and round, the third this autumn, a blue moon. A harvest moon. It charges forward. Wild horse whose reins you've dropped. You don't need to watch the squirrel gather acorns. The same knowledge is inside you. 
how to recognize the blue moon by the angle it hangs. There's no blue like lonesomeness when the wind blows cold on your bare arms reaching for help from heaven. Moonlight, especially November's variety, is the falsest light. As I said, there are a lot of poems in this book that connect to Kentucky because of my dad having been born and grown up in Kentucky. So I'll end with this poem um, that occurred to me or was gifted to me as I was driving late one night home, and it's called South Through Kentucky. South Through Kentucky. The yellow moon rides low, expectant as a summer melon, to light my way through places our long hunter forefathers named Madison, Rock Castle, Oral. Off the interstate, the moon roost among emblems for fast food and vacant hotels. Further south, I pass Gray, Bailey Switch, Bimble, the three acres where your grandparents lived their last years. Each mile past Flatlick and the Narrows rose closer to home. Always ahead, the moon hangs before me like a greedy owl, tracking what I can't yet see. On the other side of the mountain, the moon with the harvest flare transforms to shining, bone-white orb. I decide there must be two moons, one in the country of your youth, one here to mark your grave. Well, you know, I first heard about your poetry collection from Shauna K. Rodenberg, who was on the podcast for episode four, and then David Joy read one of your poems um, a few episodes back. So I and I I love I love that I love how people just have such great book recommendations, and then things like this happen. So uh, my last question for you is: uh, What are some books that you would like to recommend? Yeah, there. I always have so many books. I would love to tell people, oh, you should check this one out, because um, I'm always reading. You know, lots of different different kinds of books myself. Uh, I'm reading two books right now. One is Valediction, a collection of poems by Linda Parsons, who is a poet who lives in Knoxville, Tennessee. It's a really beautiful collection. She does some really interesting things with structure because there's traditional poetry, but there's also a lot of prose poems. And then I'm also reading a collection of stories called Ring of Earth by William Kelly Wolfett. And he is, I think, more widely known as a poet, but these are a collection of stories. So there's this interesting crossover where the language is really poetic and beautiful, um, but there are also uh, actual narratives in the piece, and they're, they're longer in prose. So I love both of these. I definitely would recommend them. I'm also an editor at Eastover Press, and so I get the opportunity to really work deeply with a lot of other writers when uh, on their on their publications, we don't publish exclusively works from Appalachia, but we do have quite a few that we have published or coming out recently. Um, one of them is a poetry collection by Catherine Richard Childress called "Outside the Frame." She does some really interesting things where she gives voice to historical women, especially biblical figures, but she brings them into contemporary times and uh, deals with contemporary matters. It's it's really, really interesting. It's a beautiful book. Um, Joseph Bethanti, who lives in North Carolina, has just published a beautiful collection called The Act of Contrition. And it's about the same set of characters in his previous story collection, The High Heart, 
the stories are set in Pittsburgh, which a lot of people don't consider Appalachia, but actually technically is in Appalachia. And um, it's such a, a great collection. Bethanti's writing is so beautiful and so complete. When you walk into the first page, you just enter this this other world. It's really beautiful. We also just recently published this story called And Dogs to Chase Them by a writer named Ray Trotter. He lives in North Georgia, but is actually um, from Tennessee. And the stories are really fantastic, but his story is also pretty great. He This is his first collection of short fiction, and he's 80 years old. And he's um, you know really proud to have these stories published and says he has a whole lot of other stories that he's just been keeping hidden for a long time. So I hope they see the light of day eventually. And then uh, I've been working with George Singleton on a great, exciting book. Uh, he has a new collection of short stories that's just out, but for these next month, we're going to be publishing a collection of his essays called Asides. And he's been writing essays for years for magazines like Oxford American and Garden and Gun and lots of other journals. And uh, this is the first time that his nonfiction work has ever been collected in this way. And of course, if you've ever met George or you've ever heard him read, you know that he is a unique character in all of these all of these essays are just pure George. I just have so many more books from my TBR, so thank you for that. Well, friends, that's our show. A heartfelt thank you to Denton Loving for coming on this episode today. You can find all of his social media, his book, and etc. linked in the show notes, including all of the books that he recommended. Uh, like I mentioned earlier on the show, you can find all the myriad of ways to support Read Appalachia on readappalachia.com. You can find us across social media at Read Appalachia, and you can find me across social media at KD Winchester. Make sure to join us next time where we will have a special surprise episode, but until then, happy reading.